0: generation there is a chosen podcast it alone will analyze the subtext the allegory and the clever weediness dialogue it is conversations with dead people
1: Welcome to Conversations with Dead People, a postmortem podcast on the works of Joss Whedon. Uh, my name's Paul, I'm your host, and I'm typically joined by guests from the worlds of fandom and academia as we make our way through the critically acclaimed series Buffy the Vampire Slayer and its spin-off series Angel. Uh, this week we've made it to uh, some biggies. We've made it to Buffy episodes 506 Family and 507 Fool for Love. It will be difficult for me to contain my my enthusiasm when we start discussing this. But uh, uh, talking with me tonight, back again, uh, Michael Holland, manager of television for Warner Brothers Post Production Creative Services. Such an impressive title, Michael. Thank you for coming back. That's
0: very kind of you. I'm I'm happy to be here.
1: Uh, I'm, you are a joy to have. Uh, in fact, you are such a joy that you you are pulling double duty this this time around. Uh, you're oh, you're here tonight perfect. and. Uh, uh spoilers for the end of the episode he's back next week too <laughs> all right so how, how have you been man
0: i'm good good and you i, uh... I, I... go ahead
1: oh I, I was i was just gonna I was going to answer the the uh how have i been um yeah. i need to apologize to my listeners uh that there has not been a new episode well there was a new episode i finally dropped a new episode that i recorded like a month ago i finally got around to editing and dropping that but uh anyways long uh, terribly painful story short um i've been sick i've I've been sick i have been sick um i've been struggling with health and uh that has put me off podcasting of any kind for at least a month i have i've completely lost track of time so um i'm hopefully on the mend i'm on all sorts of medication i have new doctors i've (laughs) <laughs> they've run all sorts of tests. Pretty ironic that uh, at some point,
0: for for, you know, for the episodes, you know, you're, you're paralleling Joyce
1: here. Exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah, I, we'll, we'll get to it. Uh, things don't look very uh, happy for Joyce in uh, the episodes that Michael and I right. will be talking about in this episode and the next one. But yeah, uh, don't know.
0: parallel too far.
1: I know exactly. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Um, so. That's, well, real we
0: quick, also, I do, I do want to say, uh, totally a, a little bit unrelated except for you. Okay. Uh, I did get around to um, the Gobbledy Geek Endgame um, episode, which I enjoyed immensely. So I just, I wanted to say that aloud and uh, on air. Uh,
1: well, thank you, thank you very much. I was going to, I was going to offer my condolences that you would listen to an episode of that podcast, but mm-hmm. <laughs> thank you for the kind words.
0: And, and this is not a spoiler, but but um, it sounds like the the audience that you saw it with was the audience to be. Uh,
1: man, <laughs> yeah, I don't know how many I don't know what the crossover between this podcast and my regular Gobbledy Geek is, but anyone listening to me now who had has never who did not listen to our endgame discussion on Gobbledy Geek, uh, I'll just tell you, I have never in my entire life in any <laughs> other film ever had an audience like the one that i had for the the uh early pre the early viewing of endgame. <laughs> w- it was intense it was intense so oh. yeah uh, anyway sorry, sorry.
0: sorry. I, I i had to say that but
1: yeah everyone everyone's excitement at that screening of endgame uh comes close to my excitement for us talking about fool for love
0: oh, there you go <laughs> so i like it
1: so let me uh let me drop a spoiler warning here in case anyone is joining us for the first time for some reason. Um, Conversations with Dead People is not a typical Rewatch and review podcast What I mean by that is that we will be exploring uh, Plots, characters, and themes For each of these episodes in depth And within the context of the series as a whole So uh, that means Spoilers, and probably a whole bunch Of them, uh, we're not going to hold back So I recommend, uh, if you haven't already Watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel The series all the way through at least once Do yourself a favor, press pause, go do that And come back to us, we'll still be here and now, with that out of the way, Michael, if you're ready, let's go to work. Let's do it. All right. So we're going to start off. We're going to ease into this. We're going to start off with. Um, I mean, not. To, I don't want to diminish this episode, but uh, it, it's no fool for love. But we're going to start off with 506 Family, um, which it,
0: yeah, which I think um, just from my being on, and thank you again, uh, is my first. This is my first Joss episode.
1: Oh, that you've you've discussed with me. Her, yeah. Wow. All right. Well, yeah, it's a it's a written and directed by Joss, which yep. is so it's so like I always think of Joss as the I, I don't mean this to be uh, derogatory, but I always think of him as the stunt casting in terms of writing and directing. <laughs> like he he typically comes in to do the big stuff.
0: Yeah.
1: Like the the season enders or or whatever, things like that, or the the like truly spectacular episodes like Hush um, and Family is it's a great episode because it's written and directed by Joss, but it's, you know, if you're just looking at it from the outside, it doesn't really seem like one of the big ones.
0: Well, it's one of those episodes. I think, um, just looking back on kind of some of the one-offs that he does, you go back to like season two, lie to me, um, feels more like a, like a non-Joss Joss Joss episode. Like you were saying, it's not, it's not one of the big flashy ones, but family feels like one of those Josses or like, Um, what is it? Amends in season three. It's one of the kind of heavy lifting, important. I I feel like he had something to say. So he, he picked up the ball and ran with it himself as opposed to letting the writer's room do it. Um, Yeah. and,
1: and, 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 And actually like, I think for me personally, Possibly the most sort of profound and Wonderful aspect of like any Whedonverse Property um, is The whole notion of found family That's a theme that recurs through pretty Much everything that Whedon does in one way Or another and is is very Very important to the structure of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and I mean That's what this episode is So I may you know I may kind of Be metaphorically Scratching my head and saying why did Joss write and direct This one but it actually makes a ton of sense This is sort of his uh, raison d'etre
0: yeah and and I think often he he likes to pick up the the what I call like the episode after, you know, so it was like you know we saw uh Buffy and Angel sleep together for like a you know mm-hmm. in, in, in uh, surprise and the turn, so to speak, and then he's like, You know what, I want to say what happens because of that right? Um, and that that tends to kind of happen you know, a lot. And then this one, we had just found out that, about Dawn. You know, we, we the audience, knew something was up, obviously. But in the last episode, it's like, oh, she's this, here's what's kind of happening. Um, and that was kind of the big bang exit. Um, and now I think Joss is, is sort of answering that or saying, okay, what does that mean? And I think there's this really nice parallel of him saying, I'm going to tell a story about... Terra and the whole found family thing and the group circling around Terra in the way that he's saying we are all going to do that with Dawn, and it's and he's not he's not talking about Dawn per se but someone else that we have had around for a long time and also need to circle around in this moment and I, I think I didn't want to even go as far as to say subtext but there is this you know hey we're all going to go through this with dawn i'm just going to tell the exact same story at this moment with terra and i think i think that's a really interesting to me it was look at him saying we just found out about dawn how are we all going to deal with this oh i'm going to use terra as a metaphor for lack of a better word
1: yeah that's a great point um that kind of so next week, not this time around, um uh, but but next week I I'm going to have I'm going to talk about uh some more significant examples of um of characters who are kind of being blinded by their own issues, who are are sort of distracted by the the stuff that they themselves are dealing with and thus kind of unable to to see the the pain and the crises that Others are going through that that's A thing that um, I will have some stuff To say about in our next episode Uh, Meaning the next episode of this podcast Not fool for love Um, But This episode gives us the A much more like literal Kind of lead in a precursor To that metaphor uh, Because it actually features um, A a spell that causes People to like physically Be unable to see the stuff that Other other people are, are going through
0: yeah. That's an interesting
1: point. yeah um anyways uh so i i think i i don't think uh we've hidden the fact that we both like this episode we're talking about uh it being a joss written and directed episode but uh, let's get broad with it like uh ha- so how do you he feel
0: he opens he opens in black and he
1: opens just with let me tell you a story i loved that was such a that felt like a very Joss open. uh, uh yeah. Let me tell you a story, a voiceover. Uh, meanwhile, there's kind of a slow motion, a dramatic shot of Miss Kitty Fantastico.
0: Yeah. But he's you know, but he's saying, yeah, which I love. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, he's saying, let me tell you a story. And it, this, it almost sets this up as being a fable. um It's, it, it him doing that i think says i'm going to remove us a little bit from the overall without totally doing it but he's like look i'm going to tell you a story um in in a way that allows him to do a one off that doesn't feel like say the once more with feeling is a one off or hush is a one off uh, which i which i think both of those are kind of fables as well and i think that's what he likes that's what he likes about his one offs mm mm-hmm. And I think he just says it right at the beginning of this
1: one. Yeah. Um, the surface metaphor, kinda of, kind of the 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 easily recognizable metaphor going on uh in this I, I don't even know if it counts as a metaphor, it's pretty in your face. Um uh this episode is on the surface at least, it's about misogyny and the way like uh patriarchal familial systems dehumanize women, in this case literally. Um, So obviously we need to talk about that But I I think there's also a way that we could look at this As uh, being a metaphor about um, Family and maybe even friends Considering how how difficult it is For uh, Buffy and Xander In particular to come up with ideas For like a birthday present or whatever
0: Um,
1: Family and friends Not Really knowing how To Accept or or kind of deal with uh, a friend that reveals themselves to be gay. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So like like
0: I was that was I think that was Joss very much saying this is how the audience feels about Tara at this moment. She was this. She was this thing on the show for for a long time of just the new she was labeled the new character. Then she was labeled. The the Wicca, and she was labeled Willow's you know girlfriend. Then she was labeled the almost the new Scooby. And I think Joss says, okay, if we're all going to start there, then I am going to like I say, circle the wagons or wrap her up in a hug, very specifically. And to your point, like not really metaphorically, and just right. say, oh okay, okay, we can have those things. And I think that's what that conversation is: is I, I, I like her, she's really nice. I just don't really know her. Right. And that's how we were all feeling about her, I think. That's what I remember going into this episode X years ago for the first time.
1: I had, I had forgotten, I, I forgot so much of the show, I'd say this in every single episode, but I had forgotten how long it takes uh, like this development um, to come about. I'd forgotten how long Tara was on the show before we reached this point, before she, she gets sort of like, like fully embraced and brought into the group. It did well, take it, a while. It it, does, it did, and and somebody, and I, I wish I could give him proper credit, but
0: somebody said, you know, and talk about the misogyny thing. You know, it was it was sort of very quick how or how quickly Oz was ex- accepted and scooby-ized. Yeah. And and Tara, who we all liked. I mean, I mean, Riley of all people had a much more, um, you know, uh, you either loved or hated him almost right away. Tara was just sort of ambivalent. Everybody, I think, liked Tara. We just didn't have anything to go on. And he was and Josh was like, okay, here's like the four or five labels that you think of her as. Let's go ahead and now create a human being out of that. Okay. And he very specifically says she's human. There's not any you no know, demon in her. Um, there is no you know, mystical reasoning for this character she's just this girl who we all like, and now you need to not accept but understand why,
1: yeah um it's interesting that uh it's
0: done really well
1: i'm I'm sorry, I just talked over you try again <laughs>
0: no, and I think it's done really well. I think when you come out of this episode, you like her and you know why,
1: yeah um. It's crazy that uh, – another comment that I've made on on uh, Tara's introduction to the show, a thing that I had forgotten is how meek she was at the beginning. I always remember that Tara was the very shy and kind of withdrawn, and it took her a while to come out of her shell. But I had forgotten exactly how meek and withdrawn she was. And so um, it's – this is a great episode because it does allow her to – uh, to to come out of herself a little bit And to sort of start taking a little bit Demanding a little bit of agency on the show And and it, it gets much better from here Like this is the episode that opens the door And as of next Episode she's like fully A member of the team yeah. um, Which is it's about time um, Yeah uh, I want to talk about the fact that uh, Tara does In the context of the series In the larger context of the series You and I as fans who have seen the series From beginning to end before Mm -hmm. We know the larger context that Tara does a bad thing in this episode Mm -hmm. By casting a spell on her friends By using magic uh, for her own benefit Now, I mean This is a thing we've seen Willow do Several times, but it's almost always Been played uh, Either for laughs Or um, As just sort of like a, a a youthful mistake or whatever sure. Um, like this spell doesn't particularly carry any major emotional weight to it. It, It's the MacGuffin that allows the fight to happen or whatever, but um, it is an example because it's Tara and because of Tara's place in the series going forward and her role in, willow's arc uh the stuff that's coming up for willow i think it's significant that tara casts the most powerful spell we see tara cast up to this point is one that alters the perceptions and and and, you know views of her friends which is a thing that does not go well pretty much any time it's ever done but particularly going forward from here so i just think it's it's great that um Tara clearly learns a valuable Lesson from this Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Tara will have When this issue comes up Again in the future Tara will be Speaking from a place of experience when she uh, Cautions Yes People against doing this and and I just Appreciate that Um, when it First happened when she first cast that spell I Was like oh oh dear Tara No (laughs) like um, I I Know where you stand later on in the show and It's a little painful for me to see you do it here But it makes sense because this is a This was a learning experience for her
0: No and and to your point about Wanting to there's there's a desperation To it because she wants to hide from her Family she doesn't want to quote Unquote come out Yet she's nervous around Willow's friends. Um, and then to your point, yes, knowing where where Willow goes, it is interesting that even Willow is the first to be like, look, it was just an accident.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and I was like, oh, wow, that's so telling of like, you know, a season away.
1: Right. Yeah. Um,
0: and, but Yes, it does set up this thing of Tara going, oh, man, these people really like me for who I am. I didn't need to do that. Uh, and, and Willow's kind of like, but she did, and let's move on. And I was like, "Oh man, that's really telling of, to your point, both of your arcs over the next 20-something episodes.
1: Yeah. Actually, in just a couple episodes, um, I, I keep jumping ahead <laughs> to <laughs> our next week's discussion, but um, not too far in the future, she's going to be – she'll have the opportunity to caution Buffy against using magic to try and heal her mother. What? Yeah. Uh, So, which I think was, we can get there, but that's
0: also a very key
1: moment. Yeah. 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 It's Um. also
0: interesting. um, And I, it's funny, I didn't really think about this until I watched it this time because I love the moment that Spike whacks her Mm -hmm. to prove prove there's no demon in her. Mm -hmm. And yet had there been any demon in her, they wouldn't have been able to see her anyway
1: yeah so i, I was gonna I say
0: was kind of like oops whatever I,
1: I, yeah i was gonna say that uh her spell in this is uh is potentially another example of kind of the fuzzy magical logic of the Buffyverse, where <laughs> when when you really it works on the surface for the metaphor of the episode but if you really start to like dig down into it and analyze it doesn't make a whole lot of sense um yeah i mean if she if she believed that doing that would conceal demons from their v- view, yeah, I don't know. There, there's, you just have to question what she thought she was going to be getting out of that and, and, uh, how she thought it was working when she showed up and they could still see her.
0: Yeah. And, like, did she just be like, would she just be like the invisible woman that they'd only just hear her voice? Because right. she would, she'd, she'd be. You know, they wouldn't be able to see. Yeah, you're right. I just kind of let that go. And I was like, because to your point, it it is sort of the MacGuffin to be the exciting fight. And then, you know, for the spike moment to be like, oh, look, there is no demon.
1: An interesting thing about that spike moment. First of all, it's a spike moment. So they're all interesting to me. He never has a bad moment on camera. Um, But an interesting thing about so I was talking about how next week I'm going to have some stuff to say about characters being wrapped up in their own issues and not seeing what other people are doing in this episode. The literal precursor to that is that uh, because Buffy is unable to see demons because of this spell um, when spike rushes in and ends up like he he goes there to watch her get killed and he can't do it. He has to jump in and help her. She never knows that she doesn't get to see that because she can't see him. So she doesn't know that he just helped her out. However, this is, we're getting more and more examples, and we can talk about what it means if it is if it is actually an example of Spike has been defanged so much and been around them as sort of the comic relief that they just casually accept him, or if this is because everyone really has other stuff on their mind. But when he's in that scene and he, he punches Terra in the face... I mean, Willow is the only one that has a reaction and it's just a brief, Hey, what are you doing? Kind of reaction. Nobody jumps on him thinking, Oh, he's about to start attacking us. Um, and Buffy immediately recognizes the significance of what just happened. Like what spike just did. And, and, and accepts it, like takes it as the proof. It was, you know, she accepts the help that spike just offered up and doesn't seem to bat an eye. And, that happens more and more, particularly in this little batch of episodes.
0: And I think it's, I think it's even right after the hit that he even says, "So you guys have this little thing going on where you make the women imagine that." That's after that realization, mm-hmm. yeah. Too
1: right. <laughs> and
0: I, you know, it is so misogynistic, but I love when Spike goes, "Oh, I like you."
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. it's, it's Whenever, whenever
0: Spike is lovably evil. When yes, he's still yes, evil, I, I love him even more.
1: Yeah, actually right before that, before he does the punch thing, he's like, uh, you know, what was it? Xander says uh you know, you have you'll you'll have to go through through us oh. to get to her or whatever. Uh, you know, and uh um, like, not me. Spikes, not me. I don't care what happens. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Uh, yeah. Uh but as as we're about to find out in Fool for Love, so much of uh, Spike. So much of the 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 big bad that we know of as Spike is an act that he's been putting on for a hundred years. Yes. Yeah. But, uh, anyways, before we get to that, what else do we? <laughs> is there anything else in this episode we have to talk about?
0: Well, um, I did want to, because again, this is going back to um, we just found out about Dawn. And, oh yes. Um, I, I I just want to comment that I, I genuinely love. The scene with Buffy and Giles when she has to talk about it, and she tells him Mm -hmm. um, because I love that she goes to Giles. Yes, really. She in this moment she doesn't even go to Willow. She doesn't go to you know it's it's not it's not a friend moment. It's a Giles. I this is way bigger than all of us, and I, I just love that there's that father figure moment with with Giles that she goes to him. Um, so then it's really interesting that in that moment, there's the whole, my dad bailed
1: on us. Yeah. I was going to, I was going to bring that up.
0: Cause, because one of the great things, and I think it goes all the way back to, is it nightmares where he still comes to Sunnydale to like take her to the ice capades or whatever?
1: Yeah. He still he still visits for her birthday and everything. I, I, I wanted to comment on how they've, they've really doubled down pretty quickly, uh, on, He's not just a like an absent father. It's not just a case of a divorced of divorced parents. All of a sudden, he is genuinely just a bad dad who is never around.
0: Yeah. And I just that surprised me, maybe more so this 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 viewing. I I didn't really remember that. And I, I watched it and I was like, whoa, whoa, he's been around. And and now all of a sudden he's just I mean. Actively not. I mean, decidedly not. And that just, I don't know, that stuck out to me that I actually made a note about
1: it. Yeah, I made a note, too. And its I think it's specifically because uh, it comes in what you just said, the, the, the father-daughter moment between her and Giles. Like, there's yeah. Giles playing the father figure. And in yeah. that scene, they immediately dismiss <laughs> her real father in a yeah. way that I was like, wow, that seems... <laughs> Like, I don't know, in my mind, I remembered that she had a, a, a bad father, uh, but on revisiting the series, I'm like, I mean, he's, you know, he's not the greatest dad in the world, but he's certainly not. not know, that bad. Yeah, but apparently he is as of now.
0: Yeah, just, it just, it surprised me more this time around, I guess. Um, but then also, I, I, I also have to just, you know, as a writer and as a, as a love of, of the kind of writing that this show does, there's an incredible moment of deafness in that as well, where Buffy is just talking to Giles and she says, I remember Dawn, you know, cried like, you know, for a week when he left. Mm-hmm. Um, and the kind of reaction that, that Giles gives her in that, where I just went, wow, in that little moment, they solidified how real Dawn is to all of their lives. Yeah. Even our slayer is not questioning the reality of who she is i'm I'm sorry the emotional reality of who she is even though she now knows that it is totally fabricated because she herself has this memory of dawn and so does giles and you're going oh man in like 10 seconds they made us all care about dawn and i was just impressed by that
1: that was that was great uh, another thing that comes out of that scene is um I I famously don't cut Buffy Summers a lot of slack. Like she's That's I'm weird. I'm no, not her.
0: We always have to talk you back onto the Buffy ledge.
1: I know, I know. <laughs> I I'm not uh, particularly her biggest fan, but uh, and I tend to give her grief for all of the the multiple multiple times across the series where we go through the whole I I'm not even supposed to be here today. <laughs> the whole um uh the whole Clerks thing um of, you know, I was chosen, I didn't get to choose or whatever. Yeah. Um so I actually quite love the fact that in this scene uh, between her and Giles, she says they sent her to me Giles and ordinarily like in any other circumstance, that would be a cue for Buffy to say, you know, this wasn't my choice. I didn't ask for this. I don't, I didn't want to be the protector or the big sister or whatever. But what she actually says is they sent her to me Giles. I think I have to take care of her. I want to. So that is a, that is, sort of an uncharacteristic example of her like accepting her quote unquote chosen status. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: And uh, it was, it, I just really appreciated that.
0: Yeah. and, And I think you had already said, we're kind of in this four episode or whatever it is, you know, kind of, there's an evolution, big, big evolution happening over the course of say the next four episodes where, you know, the daughter becomes the mother. Right. I think this is—we've this is, seen hints of, of Buffy being like, "Okay, I'm I'm going to lead or I'm going to make a decision." But this is a big maturity uh, evolution for her. Yeah. Because of what she's dealing with with her mom, and then because of you know coming off of of Glory, who who basically kicks her ass the first time they meet. Right. Um, uh, but yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> it's funny, and and in this episode. Talking just about the vampire slayer in general. In this episode, I love the moment that Glory finds out that she's the slayer. And is her initial reaction is just how common that
1: is. Please tell me I wasn't fighting a vampire slayer. How dreadfully common. I thought that was brilliant. I love Claire Kramer.
0: And, and and, And then in the next episode, there's almost the exact... Opposite of like when Spike realizes, and he just goes, "What's a Slayer?"
1: Right. Yeah. yeah. Um,
0: and I love these. I love that they're able to play on nobody's ever heard of who this person is or who the the legend is, and or she, in, you know, in, inspires fear and or respect. Or in this first time, and we don't really even know who Glory is yet, but she's just like, "Oh God, please <laughs> listen to that." And I just, I, I love that.
1: Um, did we get, no, we haven't gotten her minions yet. The, the minions don't show up until,
0: oh yeah, that's the next, I think it's the next one because I mean, we're getting a little, um, is it the next one? But we're getting a little ahead of ourselves cause it's the wonderful Kevin Weissman
1: yeah I had completely Forgotten that's who that was but uh, yeah In case listeners haven't figured it out uh, Michael and I are recording both of these Episodes back to back so <laughs> it's for me I Don't know about for you Michael but for Me I just uh, I just crammed all four of These episodes the two we're talking About now and the two we're going to be Talking about next week in air quotes um, yeah. I Just crammed them into my eye holes and So I'm it's difficult for me to remember Who popped up when
0: yeah.
1: <sighs> anyways
0: um... And then, and just uh, talking about glory too a little bit. Um, I love the locker room oneer, um, oh, yeah. where we're because we've now been introduced, not in this app, but we have now been introduced to Ben. Mm-hmm. Ben is becoming a lot bigger, and I, I again spoiler, but I love rewatching this season just for the glory and Ben stuff. <laughs> For lack of a better like, word, yeah. If, if you know what who they are?
1: I know. I, I this this show absolutely. We don't worry about spoilers. This is a spoiler heavy show, but I've I've still been being coy just just out of. Just because I think it's funny to be coy And I, I keep saying there's something about that guy I don't know what it is There's something about this Ben character He keeps popping up He must be important um,
0: and, and like you know with, with Riley kind of on the wane Like they were yeah. like was he going to be a new love interest Is he going to be this Then he's a little bit cagey mm-hmm. um, And I love the locker room oneer Because we're on Ben Going all the way The The scabby faced demon Looks like he's about to go kill him Or do something and then in the same shot, because it's a wonder, you know, we are decoyed by we've seen Ben and then we see glory come in. Right. You know, there's the wonderful kind of off camera reveal to it. But, yeah.
1: And but, I'd, but, I'd, I'd forgotten how that played out. So I was thinking as I was watching that, I was like, oh, is this is this when we find out? I, I didn't <laughs> I didn't remember it being this early. Uh, yeah, that was yeah, a great. I,
0: shot. Love, I love that that glory stuff. Um, with, with ben, I thought it
1: was great. So I just have to ask uh, Because it would be cruel of me Because it's cruel to ask So I have to raise this question uh, yes. Do you think that Tara could have If she had gone off with her family uh, This is a terrible, this is, this is a no-win scenario If she had gone off with her family uh, Would she have lived more than another year? <laughs> oh Right. That's just a terrible thing to ask. I don't know why I even I, I'm so I apologize to my listeners. Forget I ever said that. <laughs> it was just a thought that I had. No one wants her to go off with her family. She she gets another year of of living her best life. So,
0: yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow. And spoiler. But um, <laughs> I know it's, it's um, well, I mean, as long as we're raising that, we have to talk about the fact that it's Amy Adams.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: the, as the cousin. And I think one of the great things about writing the family is that the only thing to me that doesn't quite make them cliche and and the fact that it's coming from Joss is that Amy basically knows who that family is and she completely buys into it. She's on their side and she's a woman. Yeah. And that was was creepier or that was weirder and darker and deserved a lot more maybe focus than – the sort of, you know, a hole, you know, dad and brother, you know, or any of the men I was like, wow, there are, you know, and I think that happens a lot in a, in a, in a dangerous society that there are women who support it or believe it or mm-hmm. buy into it or whatever. And I love when She's like, you bitch. Yeah. And then selfish
1: bitch. Me, yeah. bitch. <laughs> she's just, and, and then at the end when, uh, when, um, Anya's like uh excuse me What kind of demon is she because there's There's different kinds first of all I really Need to we need to put a flag in the fact that Anya finally comes out and says Something on Buffy the Vampire Slayer about you know some demons Are are evil and there Are some demons that have been considered useful members Of society thank you Anya for pointing that out
0: Xander smiles at her Yeah
1: yeah um but Um in that moment you see Uh Amy's character Uh what was it cousin cousin Beth um you you watch her cuz you're wondering is this when she figures out like is this her are the wheels turning and she's figuring out they've been lying to us this whole time we're not actually demons so and i don't know you can't really tell like you said you read it as if she's kind of in on she's in on it and she supports it um i i think that's a valid read i don't know how i read it i don't know if she was putting it together there at the very end and just decided not to, that it wouldn't change anything for her or, or what? Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. I mean, there is that, there is a shot of her when that whole realization hits and there is that little, she kind of looks down in a way and there's that little moment of doubt Mm -hmm. then, but then she leaves with them. So I, again, I don't know if it's a belief or a buy-in or she's just so beaten down, but that was, that there was such a comment on that, kind of family dynamic where i went oh man there are you know uh, people in that situation that are just like i said beaten down by it or believe it or buy into it that are stuck and and don't even know they're stuck
1: yeah okay man the more i think about it this is a pretty heavy episode (laughs) um
0: but I think when Willow, I, I do love when like Willow. They, I think they when they walk into the magic shop and Willow says something like, "Did I miss any exposition?" <laughs>
1: right. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of exposition, this just doesn't count as exposition. I just noticed that I had this bolded in my notes. Uh, the Spike's fantasy about fighting Buffy while he's like having sex with Harmony. Oh right. Wow. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow. I had forgotten. And I think there's the
0: line. There's the line. I'm coming right
1: now. Yes, exactly. No, that's it. The whole thing yep. up to that point, I was like, "Oh, this is a little, this is a little risque." Yep. And then she delivers that line. I was like, "Are you serious? Wow!" Yep. They walked right up to that line and kind of dipped a toe across it.
0: <laughs> yep.
1: Oh my goodness. And then, and then even in
0: even in we're jumping ahead a little bit. Even in "Fool for Love," um, when he when he when he bests uh, the Boxer Slayer. Mm-hmm. Talking about it being an aphrodisiac And the blood's all over his finger And Drusilla takes it off his finger The
1: ass sucks on his finger I was like wow
0: This is WB And this is UPN I I mean, yet I mean, And I was like wow you got away with that
1: Yeah Um. Alright Well I, I I really I don't want to just dismiss uh, Family but I, I'm You can't wait I'm chomping at the bit. We we need to get into "Fool for Love," so, wow. uh, yeah, written by Doug Petrie, directed by Nick Mark, um, and wow, I mean, I will. I'm gonna let. So this is a crossover. I pro, I promised listeners that I was gonna, uh, because I've made the some say foolhardy decision to go all the way through Buffy before I do Angel. Um, this is where it starts to get a little different a little difficult there have been some crossover episodes before uh but really they they weren't that big a deal this is a pretty significant crossover where it might almost be worth uh having us having rewatched uh angel 207 darla which is the crossover i didn't i resisted and i'm i'm people you can you can email me all of your your complaints uh i apologize but um we're not going to discuss Darla in detail. We may reference it a little bit. I don't know, but
0: I, I do. I, I intentionally did not watch it as well. Just okay. to not I mean, I do vaguely remember it. I and mean, then I, and I remember, you know, you, you see Darla get, um, uh, turned. Um, there's a lot going on with her and Christian Kane. right? Mm-hmm. I'm liking.
1: Uh, 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 oh my gosh, I was going to say Lila. That's not it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's the other one
0: um but there's there's that um you're getting into angel's obsession with her, and it's very interesting that it is quite a darla episode um you know as opposed to like another spike episode or a drusilla it's not really a buffy thing, it's very angel and if I remember it right very angel darla specific yeah um, and I think we don't even realize you know in the scene here. Where Drusilla says, oh, I smell fear. And she's kind of looking over Angel's shoulder.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think it's in, it's only in the Angel half, if you will, that we know that Angel is good again at, or has a soul again at that point, And he's putting on, because there's like a baby or something crying in the alley.
1: Right. At that point. So something for, like for, for listeners who have, who are just now, who haven't seen that uh, again, Spoilers, But yeah, so what these two, cro- what these crossovers do is we see a lot of the same events, but from different perspectives. So this is told from mostly Spike, it's from Spike's point of view, uh, and it focuses mostly on him and Drew. Uh, and then the Darla, the, the Angel episode focuses on a lot of the same events, but from Angel and uh, Darla's perspective. Uh, and so we find out in that episode that the scene uh, in the Boxer Rebellion, at that point, we don't know it. Watching Buffy, but at that point, Angel Angelus has had his soul returned to him, so that's actually Angel pretending to be evil. Uh, so when he looked all uh, jealous or, or you know, intimidated by the fact that Spike had just killed a Slayer, that was actually because he was really upset because he's good now.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. and, he, and he, he only gets out. Congratulations. Right. Which, which, in, in, in. When these aired, they aired right in a row. Yeah, so this they... really felt like a movie.
1: It was amazing. Right, yeah. So this is uh, when I made the decision to focus on Buffy all the way through before getting to Angel, this was the stumbling block. This is when I was like, hmm, should I do that? I don't know. But anyways, mistakes were made. Oh. <laughs> People will pay. <laughs> um,
0: I, I just just as an, uh, an aside, I do want to say that we're like 80 something 85 episodes into into Buffy at this point and you know a season in seven episodes or whatever into Angel and that's a lot of material right. um, my, my initial reaction my very first thought after this was I was like wow 85 episodes into Buffy that you could have an episode this powerful and still world building continues to impress me
1: yeah um so in uh, in her book, Bite Me, the unofficial guide to Buffy the Vampire Slayer, uh, fan Nick- favorite, friend of the show, Nikki Stafford, uh, she refers to Spike as, quote, the most soulful, soulless character in the Buffyverse, unquote, which I think is a fantastic way of describing him. Yep. Um, this is the episode I... I'm pretty sure this is the episode that solidified my just <laughs> my passionate love for Spike beyond just the sort of, you know, he's funny and snarky and cool and everything. It's always great when he's on screen, uh, the sort of veneer love that we'd all had for him up to this point. This is when I was like, oh, oh, I'm I'm in the Spike story for the long haul now, guys, yeah. um, because we get to see the the sort of origin of Spike, the core of Spike, the whole wounded and fragile Human William is that's that's a that's a thing that's a character that's a moment that's a that's a story that I I connect with very strongly and I spent years after this I continue to spend I've spent all the years after this uh initially aired um I'll say debating, but probably arguing with lots of different people, uh, about sort of the true nature of the character. Um, I, I've had very strong feelings about what I personally believe that the writers seemed at least at times to be kind of promising us in terms of the character arc that, that we could look forward to, uh, for the character of spike. Um, and how, again, my personal, not so humble opinion, uh, how I think that they perhaps, did him a disservice or two through much of the rest of the series, based on what I think the character arc could have and maybe should have been
0: yeah, I, I totally agree I, I'm, my, my i don't mind you you know defending him at all because I agree with everything you just said okay. my, my, my very next line would be you know how do you feel about you know the quote unquote that scene in season six
1: in season um, oh, that was season six. I was about to say you mean season seven, but no, you're you're right. Uh, you're talking about seeing red, right? Yeah. Um, I because that, I that I, just
0: turns it I, for me. I mean, you know, that's that's the only reason I'm still team angel.
1: You know, okay. Um, okay. That's they, that's interesting. I I that's one of the things I'm building up to uh, in this podcast uh, is to see how I feel about it on this rewatch and and having sort of analyzed all the episodes up to then with my various guests because um at the time I'm s- it didn't it did not turn me on spike it's I, at the moment it still does not turn me on spike i feel like it was Briefly, because that's way down the line for us. But I feel like it was a super dark moment. It was a it was a, a dark night of the soul for Spike. It was it was um, part of the hero's journey that that character has to go on. He had to hit a low point. And um, what I really feel about that moment is I was upset that that moment had to happen, especially because some behind the scenes stuff was going on where there were certain writers, certain people on the creative team, that basically made it clear we did this in order to to pull back fans of spike that were getting a little too chummy there. They, they thought, oh. they thought that fans were embracing spike too much and they wanted to double down and prove no spike is genuinely a bad guy. So we're going to have him do this. Wow. <laughs> so at least that's my memory of what was going on behind the scenes at the time.
0: Cause I, I genuinely think you can have spike be, lovably evil as we'd seen him up until this time and then still care for him. I mean, there's stuff in, in this episode where I was like, Oh, he's a bad guy. Oh, I really like this guy. Oh, I'm, I feel for this guy. Oh yeah. No, he's really evil. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's fine. That's where I, like I said, I totally agree with you defending him and, and, and boy, I love this episode. So let's, you know, I'm not knocking it. Um, but I, I feel like there is stuff that happens that detracts from where he was. And then just to know, now, now I'm going to be silly, but uh, the, the one moment that I feel like we always missed was the actual railroad spike. We hear about it and yet it never comes up. And I was like, really? We're never, I was like, oh, a flashback or, oh, a moment. We're going to actually see, something about the railroad spike and it's, it's always just kind of mentioned or written off or joked about or something. And I went, Oh, we never get that.
1: And I just went, <laughs> well, uh, okay. So
0: him, the bloody, I think is funny. The bloody awful poetry is, I was like, okay, that's kind of funny. And that obviously carries with him and it hurts him. Right. And it feels like a funny line, but it's really not. He's hurting. Um, but then yeah. I was like, Oh, the railroad spike. I was like, we never get to see that.
1: Okay, so I think there's a couple ways to read that. Um it so I think the implication of this episode is uh because that the the revelation that we get in the flashback to uh 1880 um when Spike was still just William the Bloody awful poet. So adorable and precious. I love him and want to cuddle him and protect him so much. <laughs> um when we get the the line where uh the the woman at the party is like uh, did you hear they call him William the Bloody for his bloody, awful poetry, and uh, the other guy's like the other guy gives the line, um, I believe it i would I would rather have a railroad spike driven into my skull than have to listen yeah. to another bad poem from him or whatever yeah. so and 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 William clearly hears both of those comments, and so the implication is that um that that he took the name Spike from that that he decided, oh, if that 's what you." You know, if that's what you believe, then that will be. You know, I will embrace that or whatever. Um You're right. We never get to see him, to my memory at least. We never get to see him actually pick up a railroad spike and ever use it. But you could imagine that. I do. That off screen, he's I like. I love the image so much. He I, took, I he took the name of Spike thing. because of, he took the name Spike because that guy said that. But then he does actually go on and use railroad spikes at some point.
0: I, I agree. Because I think it goes back all the way to season two, where Giles even says, oh, he used to, you know, uh, torture his victims with railroad spikes.
1: Right. Right. Yeah.
0: Okay. But, uh, yeah, I mean, but, there, you know, there's the moment uh, and there's always I think there's a there's a fun debate that is Kelly. Is it Roca?
1: Kelly Roca, Yeah.
0: Roca? Is is Cecily and Halfrick the same person?
1: <laughs> Let's see. I, I didn't think oh. that they were. I thought. I thought this was just a kind of a, a fan fiction debate that had raged through the fandom for all of these years. Um, but apparently the comic book, uh, spike, Oh, Ol- I don't remember the name of it. Spike old wounds or something like that. I don't, um, uh, there were, there was a spike spinoff comic that came out that apparently showed. And again, I have feelings about all of the comics old and new, um, yeah. So we could debate if this is canon or not, uh, but in that comic, they said that the uh, Cecily that we see in this actually is Halfric, that she already was Halfric. Oh,
0: she already is, and that's why she's a little bit. That's why she,
1: of- yeah, yeah, that's why she does that apparently. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. I, I didn't read that comic, so I don't know how that played out, and I don't know if that's ever been debunked or if that's accepted as canon. But I did, I did find that in my research, so.
0: Because I do love the moment, and it's obviously setting up the bookend, but I do love the moment when he says, <clears throat> I know I'm a bad poet, but I'm a good man. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, I think everybody's on his side. I am. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think he deserves the you're beneath me there at all. It's, it's really cruel to, I think, this genuinely good guy, despite, you know, kind of where we see the relationship with the mother, you know, and, the mother, you know. <laughs> yeah. But he's. I, I'm like, he, here is this really good guy, and I don't think he deserves that at all. It almost to me, he does deserve it when Buffy says it to
1: him. Now, see, yeah, I that's a complete, completely fair read, and I feel like, I think most people probably are on your side with that. Um and I'm not going to push back too hard, but I have kind of never forgiven Buffy for using <laughs> "You're beneath me line. That is just so like, I am so head over heels in love with William slash spike that when she said that, I was like, Oh, you are dead to me, Buffy. <laughs> How dare you? And, um, I believe that the writer, I, I don't know. I don't know who over the years has said this, but I'm almost positive that Joss and, or some of the writers have said that, um, spike kind of got the arc that he did like spike, became the character he became because James Marsters played him. I'm, I may be paraphrasing a quote here, but played him with more heart than was written. So like they yeah. wrote the character of spike, you know, as, as funny or cool or whatever. And I'm thinking specifically of the scene, like after Buffy says that when she said, when she throws the money at him and walks and says, you're beneath me and walks away. And James Marsters sobs. He has spike, not William. He has spike, Uh, Who's we've seen be vicious And evil and all that He sobs like and and for just a moment You're like oh man this This is this is not funny (laughs) Like this isn't cool
0: It's true
1: Uh,
0: I I, I, I love Spike I just I wish they had not gone Where they did I I also I'm not really a big fan of Their love story, you know, I don't know. But I think you had to evolve Spike into even something more than just being, like you say, the sort of
1: cool, funny guy. Right. Yeah. The uh, I suspect on this rewatch of Buffy over the course of this podcast, I suspect I still describe myself as a Spuffy fan. I, I still I'm one of those people that ships Spike and Buffy more than Angel and Buffy. Um and I I will probably continue to struggle With that but I just imagine on this Rewatch over the course of the podcast I Will I will Be much more willing to accept yeah they're just Not meant for each other I'll still be Upset at the way he's treated I will still I will yeah. still be defensive and, and be like hey you don't mistreat My blondie bear but um, <laughs> I, I think I'll be a little more mature About it than I was perhaps back then and I'll Be like he, they are so They are so wrong for each other
0: Yeah <laughs> But to your credit, you know, that they, they do book. I mean, that almost feels like the end of the episode. You were, you know, you're, you're expecting that, you know, you're beneath me bookend to be the end because it's kind of the end of the story. And then there is a, a very good, funny, dramatic act after that. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and in fact, there's, there's, we actually go to, <laughs> we go to South America and, and. <laughs> The whatever demon, the
1: chaos demon,
0: all the way back to season three. Yeah, where he mentions like you know Dr- uh, Drusilla being off. It's is that uh, lovers walk.
1: I think it's lovers walk. Yeah, when he when she's oh. left him and he says, "I caught her making out with a chaos demon. Why would she hurt me like that?"
0: Yeah. And then, but that just I means they're already in this conversation, and then it cuts to the wide, and he's just standing there. <laughs> so great. They got, like, I'm so sorry. I really, you obviously have some unresolved whatever i'm just gonna he's just drinking the beer or something that's
1: yeah with so uh, i I think in lover's walk he was like a chaos demon all antlers and slime and that's just a funny a funny line to deliver in season three but then they pay it off visually here with a guy with big gigantic antlers that are dripping slime such a great visual oh my gosh great
0: and then you know and then you you do genuinely get another great moment with spike that Mm -hmm. really doesn't even it's almost like a silent movie you know, I think, you know, she says, what are you doing here? And he says, can I help or something? But you didn't even need the lie. I mean, he's just, he's just there and she's just over it. And it does say something about their relationship that she doesn't totally mind that he's there. She's not really dealing with it, but she's okay with it. And he's softened by it. He mm-hmm. just sits with her.
1: The tip the
0: tap on the back,
1: you know. Yeah, the the kind of. Awkward patting her on the shoulder or whatever um, The debate that I got drawn into so many countless times over the years uh, Tended to focus on fans who And I, I probably didn't break down as as uh, Simply as uh, Bangel versus Spuffy Like Angel fans versus Spike fans uh, But it seemed like that at the time There were a lot of people who refused to accept that Spike was having any sort of like genuine move towards the light they they at least publicly claimed that everything that spike did was motivated by selfish reasons and was only because he had the chip in his head and and they persisted with that all the way through the end of the series Um, and i got drawn into so many debates with people over that because of moments like this where like that him deciding not to shoot her with a shotgun like that moment would seem genuine to me and there are not necessarily in this episode but there are over the course of the coming seasons there will be plenty of opportunities that spike has when no one is there witnessing him like he's not putting on an act for anybody uh, but he is still demonstrating genuine like he's trying to genuinely be a good person and it you know there are moments like that where it's why would he be doing it in that situation like he's not getting anything out of it there but right.
0: yeah and, and i don't even think it's i mean to your point i don't even think it's a it's a conscious decision of oh i want to be a good person right or, i want to be better than i am right. it is innately it is genuinely who he is
1: so my read on the character of spike from this moment on and i i actually feel like i'd felt like this before i wish i had a clearer memory of what when I felt things and how I went along, but yeah. I feel like fool for love hit me as strongly as it did because I was kind of already here. Like I, I already kind of felt this way about spike and suspected, and I'm sure it's because of what Joss or whoever said that James played, James Marsters played him with more heart than was written. Um, so I suspected that there was this core of, of, you know, fragility or whatever, of a wounded young man buried in this spike character. Uh, and then when fool for love, uh, revealed the truth of it, uh, it was like a lightning bolt from heaven. And, uh, so my read on spike is that, um, obviously he's been playing this role for a hundred years. So, so a lot of it has, ha- he's manifested uh, it. as re- Yes. Yeah. Uh, so he's manifested it as, uh, as reality, but, by and large, like for the most part, the character of Spike is just that. It is a character. The real person is William. He's that wounded poet. And we, we I think this is proven by the end of Angel the Series, which we'll get there. But um, he he has always been William and he creates this persona of Spike to protect himself and over a hundred years of protecting himself with the character, the persona of Spike, Spike kind of becomes who he is. But still, deep down inside, he is still William.
0: Yes, I do agree with that.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: I mean, all the way to the end of at least Buffy, because you're right, he comes back angel. Um when I think I'm paraphrasing, but when he's dissolving and she says, I love you, and he says, no, you don't, but it's nice of you to say so.
1: Right, yeah.
0: And I was like, oh, man, that's that's right up there with I love you. I know Um, (laughs) as as this moment of of him releasing something and and being like, no, you know what, though, the fact that you were I think he even says maybe even before that the fact that you were always kind to me, the fact that you, you know, saw me for who I could be instead of who I was,
1: which is a tremendous kindness. kindness on his part to cat- to characterize what she's done as you were always kind to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. Um so I absolutely we do not we do not and will not stop talking about Spike but there are other characters involved here that we should probably discuss. Uh, not least what? of all not least yeah. of all Buffy. So the whole the whole uh fulcrum of this episode is that Buffy is um Buffy meets a vampire that has that almost has one good day. Yes. Um, and and so, it's one
0: of the rare times we see Buffy injured.
1: Yeah, and it was pretty gruesome. Like she's been injured a lot on the show, but like not, not like that. We don't typically see. <sighs> have we seen any of the main characters other than Cordelia and the rebar? Like ever get impaled? <laughs> like uh, gruesomely, bloodily impaled? I don't. I'm not sure that we have. But
0: um... no. I mean, you know. Yeah, we, we a lot of them go unconscious, and it's usually made light of. A lot of the injuries are just kind of one episode,
1: mm-hmm.
0: or I, you know, we're coming up on on I think Glory breaks her shoulder or something, and there's mm-hmm. a quick little scene where she puts an ice pack on in the in the hospital. So we see those things, right? Um, you know, and certainly um, almost almost a mirrored kind of image is is when Buffy stabs uh, Faith. And then she's, she's put into the coma.
1: Why did I not, why did I not think of that? As much as I love the character of Faith, why did it not occur to me that, oh, that's just like when she stabbed Faith.
0: Yeah. so It happens, but it's it's rare when I say, oh, Buffy gets injured. Yes, they all get injured. But I mean, this was, this is, this means something.
1: Yeah. And, Um, and it, part of the reason it means something is that it's not, um, like much to Riley's surprise when he's, when he's asking her, all right, so how many were there? It was a super vamp, right? And she's like, no, no, it was just a, just one regular vamp.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, and it humanizes her because I love the moment after her when she says, I've been training harder and better and, and really, she, you know, you know, she really is focusing on being the slayer and trying to lead and trying to balance the whole thing and being more mature. And she's like, I just, I slipped up or I don't, I don't understand why. Mm-hmm. And then that brilliant moment, it's one of my favorite Giles moments when she's like, how come the, you know, there's, there's no record of the watcher talking about this. You know, he says, because it would be too painful. Right. And I was like, oh man. Yeah, you're right. There he is.
1: I mean, Anthony Head is always fantastic, but yeah, especially in the moments where he gets to demonstrate like his his fatherly concern for Buffy. And he was really uncomfortable with that whole conversation because he's trying to be supportive and, and not let her see how scared he is, but he's terrified because his, his surrogate daughter just got hurt. Yeah. Seriously hurt. But, um, yeah. And so spike almost from the beginning, spike has always been one of those sort of, Pseudo oracular that's not the right Word he's not an oracle but like he's one Of the insightful characters that um, Can often see Truths that the other characters either Won't see or deny or whatever and So he's you know He points out to her the whole thing about You know all you could kill A hundred of us you can kill a thousand a thousand A thousand thousand of us um, And we'll just keep coming all We need is just for one of us To get one good day Um and then the whole thing of you know lesson the first of Slayer always has to reach for a weapon I already have yeah. mine, love that moment, yeah, um but like uh oh God, what did he what did he say about the I, I don't remember there was one particularly insightful moment where uh, he was talking about um how she allowed herself to get injured, but yeah basically he just he's the one that is pointing out truths to her about how um. Uh, you know I think oh that's what it was um, He points out you know You've gotten so good that you've started to think You're immortal basically yeah. And and that's you know The episode opens with her being all Like quippy and, and dismissive and, and like the like the I call him the, the Ramon vampire Or the <laughs> Ramon's vampire uh, Like the Ramones vampire says uh, Why are you running away You were having such a good time a few minutes ago Like she, she seemed like typical quippy Buffy who was easily going to handle this vampire. And she's just gotten, she's so convinced that she can win any fight that she got sloppy.
0: Yeah. And, and we're getting into the big metaphors and in the, in, you know, the big talk about death. And it started with restless mm-hmm. so Death is your gift.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, you know, the season finale is going to be called the gift. Um, but we're really, I mean, and there's, there's a lot of that with Spike's and, and Buffy's conversation in this of Spike saying, you need to accept this. You are accepting this. You don't want to admit it. And you need to do it. And I think he says, um, what is the line about death specifically?
1: He says, death is your art. It is your
0: art, yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of thematic uh, death that is, is getting laid out and will, will lead right up until the gift mm-hmm. but that's been, you know, talked about him restless and then in the Dracula episode and then, you know, and it keeps going. And yes, to your point, he is insightful. And that goes all the way back to lovers walk as well. When he's talking about her and angel. Yeah. Like you'll never, be you're sorry. not
1: friends. You'll never be friends. Yeah. Oh.
0: it's like, Oh wow. Spike gets it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. And he was the first one to notice that Willow was, uh, you know, uh, romantically connected with Tara And yeah, yeah anyways well, he's always Been
0: yeah to your point For all of his, his shielding And for all of his bravado You know he is the Tender insightful More more so than a lot of them One mm-hmm. um,
1: Alright so I want to talk about some Specific stuff here that I thought was super cool Um The So William's bloody awful poetry Yep um Effulgent Effulgent which is uh, such a great word Such a great word it's one of my favorite words now But um, like all those words that he's considering There for that poem um, I, What were they gleaming He was he was looking for another word for gleaming And he had uh, il, uh, I don't remember what they all were Illuminate or, or luminary or something Anyways he, he rattled off a few words And they were all words Different words for light um, And oh, Interesting uh, And when he so so that's William seeking out the light, and when he is rejected by uh, the woman that he at least thinks he loves, he flees into the night, of course, Uh, and then out there in the darkness he meets a creature of profound darkness, Drusilla, uh, who who invokes his chosen word, effulgent, and I, God, I love that scene so much when she. Pulls that word out of him, and you can just see it cross her eyes. And she says, Effulgent, and uh, and Williams just like mouths the word back to her, and he is in.
0: Yeah, oh yeah. My
1: god, I get chills watching that scene. I love them As much as I am a Spuffy fan, man, I wish we could have found a way to keep Spike and Drusilla as a thing.
0: Oh, I love them
1: too. Um, uh, I'll, I'll oh, go ahead.
0: No, I was going to say again to your 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 comment of him of him being a good guy without trying to prove anything. A lot of him caring about Drusilla was a very early showing of there was depth to this vampire.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um,
0: Plus, we have to at least mention, you know that you know we're we're seeing two other slayers, which is amazing, and each of them give Spike a couple of his trademarks the boxer slayer swords his eyebrow which right. gives him the scar
1: right yeah and then
0: he gets the coat from new york
1: yeah yeah from she's not named in this but we find out later later her name is nikki the new york slayer um yeah which which i i love that little bit of sort of world building like i i love planting that but you just have to wonder like how is how is that one coat survived 40 years through all the fights. And like, we've seen it get uh, set on fire and shot full of holes and punctured. Like he's got to be on his hundredth version of that code at this point, but.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And, and I, I think it's, it's when I, I'm sorry, I know I'm getting ahead, but I, I was thinking, did, was I reading too much after this episode? Was I reading too much into, I think it's the very next episode that Buffy is wearing a long black leather coat.
1: I saw that too. I saw that too. I don't know what it means. We, we can, we can parse that when we get there, but I remember noticing that as well.
0: But well, I, I went, Oh, Oh, is she subconsciously uh, <laughs> le- leaning toward? Anyway, I, mean, yeah. I had to mention it while I was thinking. About it. Yeah. Uh,
1: one more thing about the scene when uh, Drusilla turns William is his reaction in that. Um, first of all, uh, vampire bites, are not always, but they are often portrayed as sort of uh, erotic, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. even a little bit hypnotic or whatever. But in that particular instance, um, painful. <laughs> it was it was painful and frightening. It was a it was a wonderful sort of play on that. Um, but also in that scene. So. Uh, in an earlier in I don't remember the name of the episode What episode it was But when Spike woke up from the dream And realized that he was suddenly in love with Buffy Or he had been in love with Buffy uh, His response then was uh, Oh god no, please no That's what he yeah. said when he realized I'm in love with Buffy Here, uh, when Drew pulls him in with effulgent And she says, do you want it? He says, oh yes, oh god yes Yeah. I just, I loved the parallel between those The contrast between those two
0: Yeah um, and you know, without getting down a rabbit hole, it's interesting that he would go to God,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, being a vampire. Like it's just—it's either just that kind of phrase, or you know—I don't want to get down a rabbit hole. But I was like, are we supposed to be reading too much into
1: I mean, eventually we get a scene with him draping himself over a cross. <laughs> I
0: right know that is that is probably my favorite Spike
1: moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, seasoned fans probably don't need the clarification. But for newer fans, people who are just tuning in for the first time or watching along with us or whatever, it might be worth us talking a little bit about the the uh the seeming continuity gaffe in air quotes that we get here um where they reveal that Drew is the one that sired Spike. Because in 203 in season 2 episode 3 School Hard, when in Spike's first appearance, um he has that line to angel who he thinks is angelus uh He's- you think yeah. you can fool me you were my sire man you were my yoda and from that moment on people have assumed what that meant was angelus was the one that created spike you're not wrong um
0: it, it wasn't fresh in my memory but i do remember that and you're not wrong i hadn't
1: thought about it so yeah i feel it's it's i think it's been a pretty big debate amongst the fan uh, amongst fans and i, I think joss had eventually had to come out and say He kind of hand waved it in maybe a not entirely convincing way where he was like, well, in vampire community, sire just basically means anyone in your sort of vampire family line. So Angelus created or, you know, Darla created Angelus, Angelus created Drew, Drew created Spike. And so he could refer to any of them as his sire. Um and then, and then in a later episode, I don't remember if it's later in Buffy or if it's over in Angel, um, they have, they make another attempt at clarification where Spike explains that, um, you know, he he, that Angelus was his sire in the sense of he's the one that taught him. He was like the father figure. He's not the one that turned him, but he's the one that that taught him how to be evil. Basically.
0: Sure, okay. I mean, it, it feels to me, I don't know if people are going to get this reference, but it feels to me like a Marvel no prize. Uh,
1: <laughs> great, um, great, I like but, it.
0: But, uh, okay, okay. I mean, you know, there there are, again, we're 85 episodes in, or whatever it is. Um, I, I think people, especially with an episode that's this good and continues to world build like it does, I think we just give them a little bit of leniency as to, well, you know, you know, because it's, right. it's, it's, I was thinking, just thinking about the Darla, you know, co-episode, how, how sort of lucky it was that way back in season, whatever it is, one, I think, that it is Angel that kills Darla.
1: Yes. Very not, casually, very casually.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I thought, wow, I think they were all pretty excited about that by the time they got to this point that mm-hmm. they could use that. You know, and that happens. And, I, and I'm and i fine with that. As good as the writing con- is continually on this show, I'll let them let I'll let go of a sire line.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Going yeah. Back to your point, even, you know, back in like School Hard or season two, um, you know, to your point earlier, Spike wasn't even supposed to be ra- around, but more than a couple episodes or something then.
1: Yeah, I think he was I think they brought him on for three episodes and then just decided to keep him.
0: And they were going to do something more with the kid, the anointed one.
1: Yes. But um, his voice this, changed.
0: Yeah. And it was just like, oh man, Spike and Drusilla are way more interesting, so why not kill the kid and keep them around? And then even when they when they go away, quote unquote, in season two, I think he's only brought back for Lover's Walk, which is in three.
1: Mm, and yeah, he,
0: there's the there's the ring that makes him immortal, and that's in Four, and then he's kind of back after that but he's gone for like 15 episodes yeah
1: anyway. uh, um
0: he's, they... so, he's so good that when he's back around it's like not a day has been missed and that says a lot about james slash spike
1: yeah agreed um so you we we need to talk about the two slayers because sure. like, this is a this is a fact that we've known about spikes from the very beginning that he uh it throughout the years he Met and killed two slayers previously That was meant to set up how dangerous he was mm-hmm. And we finally get to see who they are We the, There's the Chinese slayer In the Boxer Rebellion in 1900 uh, I think that was it, 1900 um, my, my lack of history knowledge is showing uh, And then the New York Slayer in 1977 But um, The one thing I want to mention is One of the things Spike I, I don't think it was only spike but certainly one thing that Spike brought to the show was was an Awareness of And he even says it in this He I think it in fool for love he even Points out the fact that the reason she's Lasted so long yes it's during the Fantastic scene as he's pulling the Jacket the coat off of the dead uh, New York Slayer um, and he's talking to Camera I love oh I love that scene that He's breaking the fourth wall talking Out of the memory the flashback into The present Uh, But he talks about the reason you've made it so long is that, uh, you know, you've got ties that bind you to this world, family, a father figure, a a sister or whatever. And he's said that several times that what makes this Slayer unique is that she has she's not alone. She has friends and family. Um, But I think it's interesting. Now, Spike doesn't know either of these facts at this point because the Chinese Slayer. Uh, Asks him to uh, Apologize to her mother but she's speaking In Mandarin and he's like sorry love I don't speak Chinese so he doesn't know that she had a mother And none of us Find out until much later in the series That Nikki Nikki Has a a son So (laughs) I just think it's interesting that the Only two slayers that Spike Has killed both had Ostensibly both had family And ties to this world That Mm -hmm. did not protect them Yeah I don't know if I have a deeper thought there. I just wanted to bring that up no, as a
0: It's a very good point and and I don't know we can get down like a rabbit hole on this, but is it because Boxer Slayer never maybe her mother never even knew that she was a slayer? So it's a comment and the same thing with you know um I can't think of his name, but principal little boy Robin Robin he he's way too young to have had that impact, you know, on or to, for that have, to have been as much of an impact As, say, Buffy Who is inviting in Right um, The family and friends, if that makes sense Obviously, Mickey is trying to protect her son Boxer's mother may never have even known about her Yeah,
1: yeah I hadn't thought of that I don't know if we I, I don't think in the show We ever learn anything more about the, the Boxer Rebellion Slayer um, Maybe in the comics or tie-ins I have no idea But I know in Season 7 we get a little bit a little bit more about uh nikki just because robin becomes a character but mm-hmm. uh, yeah i don't remember all the details and it didn't occur to me that maybe the the chinese slayer her mother wasn't even in on the secret
0: yeah i, I don't know but i i think it's, it's again it's that it's that comment on chosen family it's the fact that buffy in a sense embraces the people around her isn't just Fighting for them, but they are involved in her life. That does set her apart.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Very good point. Uh, man, what what else I, do we have?
0: I, I do my I do have one more note here. I think where it's, okay.
1: it's uh, I love the
0: exchange. You think we're dancing? That's all we've ever done.
1: <laughs> I love his delivery of it too. That's all we've ever done. <laughs> that's great. That's a great yeah. line. Um, I wanted to point out that Riley, uh, kills the the. Joey Ramone vampire or whatever, with with the uh, (laughs) the Ray versus Praetorian Guard and Arya versus the Night King move. Oh, did you notice that? Do either of those references mean anything to you? First of all, no. No. Okay, Ray versus Praetorian Guard. That's from uh, uh, the Force, not the Force Awakens. um, Oh, Last Jedi. The Last Jedi. Uh, And spoilers for. Uh, the final season of Game of Thrones. Game of
0: Thrones, yeah. I mean, yeah.
1: Uh, is it will this be a spoiler for you?
0: No, for me, no. I mean, I, I, I did not watch the series. Oh, okay. Um, All feel right. free to.
1: Well, anyways, w- what I'm referring to is the scene where your our hero is fighting someone with a sharp implement or whatever, and uh, gets them to drop it so that you so that he can reach down and catch it out of the air and plunge it into them, like. That's oh. how Rey killed one of the Praetorian guards in uh, the Last Jedi, and that's how Arya gets the drop on the Night King in Game of Thrones. Nice. So, and Riley just gets to use it on a, a one-off Joey Ramone wannabe vampire, but whatever. It was still a cool scene.
0: I like it. Um, it, it is. It is a little bit telling of his character that you know he could have easily
1: thrown in the uh, right
0: with Renee, but he goes in to quote unquote best the vampire that hurt. Buffy yes and and then he throws the grenade and you know parallel a little bit is just you know a little bit of that death wish already right um, would would go in but I think it's it's the machismo part of it is like I'm gonna at least take out the one guy and then I'll drop the grenade and bolt
1: yeah yeah. (sighs) okay well
0: everybody that knows me is yells at me constantly for not seeing it but it is still on my to-do despite i've said don't worry about spoilers because i'm just going to watch it for the for the sake of being oh
1: game of game of thrones you mean yeah yeah well i i would uh i'd be interested to know how you feel about it i mean it's a it's a big investment but yeah it's a great show i know a lot of people are upset with it but i've i i loved it
0: You you were okay with the last season
1: the la- the last season had problems there is absolutely no denying it and there are certain things that happened in the last season that i am ultimately not happy with but as a whole i'm certainly not as upset with the final season as most people seemed to be mm-hmm. and uh on the whole i i was satisfied with the series i do not regret regret watching the series so
0: it's good <laughs> i mean everybody i mean not everybody a lot of people know of my immense problems with Buffy season six, and <laughs> despite that, it has never, you know, tarnished a rewatch,
1: right.
0: um, and, and I still look forward to moments in it, although Hell's Bell infuri- continues to infuriate me, mm-hmm. very, very but it doesn't hurt season seven for me either, I just kind of go, okay, let's move past, we can move past Double Meat Palace and Hell's Bells all <laughs> together. <laughs> but but and then i go okay there's stuff in season 6 that had to happen it's interesting cuz season 6 feels a lot to me like age of ultron did uh-huh where, where i go well, there's a lot of good i have problems with it but there's a lot of important stuff in it it's almost like the the movie or the season that had to happen to get us to that other island or to that new place agreed um so I, I, I think in rewatching them, I'm I'm kinder to them than when I first saw both of those. That's a, that is a
1: I agree. That's a great comparison and very appropriate since uh, it's Joss Whedon. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> On both I, mean, I I think he 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 tends to, and it kind of goes back to what I was saying about you know, family. I think he finds he finds that moment after the sunset, or after the kiss, or after the fight that intrigues him. So he's done Avengers and he's like, I want to find out what happens next. And he's like, I need to pick up this because there is a lot of exposition or there's a lot of stuff that has to happen mm-hmm. to get to somewhere else. So, you know, he tries to go through it. Now, I, I don't know if that was really his plan on, on season six or as, as we all think, you know, he was much more just invested in Firefly at that point.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Which is fair. because God, I love that show. Oh, so. man. So,
1: I, I I'll take this opportunity. <laughs> I, I will take this opportunity to say it wasn't the initial plan and I kind of curse myself every single day that I've taken on this uh this <laughs> Buffy podcast project because I struggle to to produce it more than I expected to. But um I it seem it would seem weird if I made it all the way through Buffy and Angel and didn't cover Firefly. So <laughs> That is, that is the last
0: time we chatted on this show was all of the, you know, you were looking for, and I'm paraphrasing even our own conversation, but you were looking for some, you know, some foundation or some kind of deeper meaning to stuff. And I, and I think I had said, Oh, there's a lot of that in dollhouse.
1: And I'm sure I said at that point, but I will repeat now that I Clearly need to revisit dollhouse I've only (laughs) seen it the once on its initial Airing and I was not as big a fan Of it as I wanted to be so I I think um, I tend to leave it out of the conversation Perhaps unfairly when I said It would seem weird to do Buffy and angel And not do firefly if I I Push beyond angel and do firefly It would probably at that point seem Weird not to do dollhouse So (laughs) I I may be I, I may be like a digging my own grave which is appropriate since I'm this is uh conversations with dead people but yeah firefly and possibly dollhouse could be in our future.
0: Then we got to do serenity.
1: <laughs> yes, of course.
0: And Cabin in the woods.
1: Yeah, oh man, see it never ends. Never ends. <laughs> and he's uh he's about to have a new uh series, uh, Oh it?
0: The Nevers
1: is it on just, is it netflix i can't remember where it is no on hbo hbo okay yeah so i mean there's about to be a new series dang it
0: you know we're gonna we're gonna see written and directed by josh whedon on tv and we haven't seen that in in x years whatever it is yeah. I'm, I'm i'm genuinely excited
1: yeah can't wait all right i think this is appropriate I, I i think we've done enough <laughs> We could probably uh, pull the plug on this. Was there anything else in here that we didn't cover?
0: No, I'm, I'm looking. I, I, I do tend to chicken scratch as I'm watching them, and I'm, I'm kind of just going through it. Um, I, I do feel a little bit bad that we didn't at least mention the float, which ends family. The just because it's so beautiful. The
1: float that ends. Oh, um, oh yeah.
0: The um, two of um, is just so
1: beautiful. Tara and, Tara and Willow floating on yeah. the dance floor. It was a beautiful scene. You're right.
0: Um, and, and, and just so indicative of them at that point, not caring at all who sees them,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, uh, what the reaction, you know, I just, I was just looking back on this, uh, big legal yellow pad that I have. in front of. <laughs> But yeah, I, I had written and even circled the float. So I, I felt like I had to
1: say something. I, I I'm embarrassed. We didn't mention it. So thank you for bringing that up. That was a beautiful scene. Um, uh, yeah. This is the uh, "Fool for Love" is the episode that gives us the great. So, Drew is so fantastic. I, I wish, I wish we had Drew more than we, than we did. I think we only get her maybe one more time in Buffy. Um,
0: it would have to be a. Is it a, a flashback? Oh well, you know she does come up quite a bit in Angel.
1: Yeah, no, she she we get her a lot in Angel, uh, but I think in Buffy the series we only. I, I might be mistaken. I'm pretty sure we only get one more episode with her. It's later this season, actually. Um, that, I, I I might be wrong about that. But at any rate, I just wish we had gotten more of Drew. Uh, but this is the episode that gives us the great line. The King of Cups expects a picnic, but this is not his birthday.
0: And the, and the look that Darla gives him.
1: <laughs> yes. Okay, dear. <laughs> uh, so oh, Spike, look at the wonderful mess you've made. That's a slayer you've done in. Naughty, wicked Spike. Oh man, I love those two. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, anything else? Any yeah, other great lines or anything that we miss? Um,
0: um, yes, there are, and, and we're just not hitting them
1: all. I know. Quickly, I'm the very spirit of vexation.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> well, and, and, and the butler, or the, or the, he's just like he's standing there with the hors d'oeuvres, and he just kind of walks
1: off. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, what can I tell you, baby? I've always been bad. The bad. Yeah. Mm. Oh, great cut. Yeah. Like, great. This could go on forever. All right. Uh, Well, Michael, thank you again for being here. Um, And uh, as always, I I give my guests an opportunity if they choose to take it to uh, out themselves to the public, if there is any way that uh, our listeners can find you online or if you have any projects you want to mention. Oh,
0: um, no. Um, I mean, I, I have my humble little blog and you know, I'm, I'm on social media you know, please feel free to hit me up and, and tell me what I should have or should not have said. Um, <laughs> I, I, again, I, when, when you were kind enough to bring me on to do these, I genuinely just love talking about, um, movies and comic books and TV shows, especially Joss Whedon. Yeah. Um, so I, I, appreciate and welcome uh, more conversations So have at it
1: Well how can people Find you on social media
0: I'm on Facebook I'm on Twitter um, it, It's easy easiest to Kind of look for Holland Imaginarium That's uh, my I'm on Blogspot For Holland Imaginarium um, Yeah I'm on Facebook uh, Twitter um, Instagram All that Yeah you
1: know, okay. All right cool uh, And, and uh, Yeah you've mentioned That you You just Love talking about Pop culture Which is would be perfect for my other podcast, Gobbledy Geek, which we are still looking for ways. <laughs> we're still looking for ways to get you on there. Uh, there was the possibility a Deadwood thing might happen, but I don't know. It's uh, I, I'm not sure if that ship has sailed. It's it's uh, I don't know if we've broken the window. About,
0: you're you're very kind, and and you had mentioned that, and I thank you again. Um, I, it's another one. I was embarrassed to say I, I had not seen the series, and I was very very lucky to work on the movie. Um, and the whole surprise time...
1: It surprised me when you told me that Because I thought yeah. you worked on the movie Because you had been on the show And I was like, oh, this would be great Come and talk about Deadwood And you're like, yeah, I didn't yeah. uh, I never watched the show
0: Yeah, it, it was very strange But we we were I would, would be sitting in with um, Greg Feinberg and Daniel Minahan Greg Feinberg, the producer Daniel Minahan, director David Klein, the uh, DP And Claire Newman, who ran post on it And total total humble brag is uh, they they would say like just watching certain scenes they would look at me and be like does this make sense because i I was probably the only person that they had ever met that did not see the show
1: (laughs) well well did it it did okay
0: good and and this was and and you've seen the movie yes sorry okay so sorry this is a spoiler but the flashbacks were always written in i do want to say Uh, that came from David Milch. That was not a studio note. That was not for clarity. He always wanted those for emotional punches. Um, um, so I, I had actually, um, I mean, it was very clear to me that they were flashbacks. I mean, that was a surprise or something, but I thought it was very clear. I I really enjoyed the movie and, and had, had nothing leading up to it. So I was not just proud to work on it, but I think it's really good.
1: It, It is really good. And, uh, if you uh it's slightly less uh of a mouthful it's a little less to to bite off to take to go and and watch the three seasons of uh deadwood oh as opposed to game of thrones as, as opposed to eight seasons of game of thrones however i will just tell you as i'm sure you've you've probably heard from other people and you must suspect having worked on the film that um even though it's only three seasons, there is a lot. Like it is, <laughs> it is dense. You, yeah, you got to pay attention, but it is absolutely yeah. worth it. I recommend if if uh, you find the time that you go and watch this the series. Yep, it's on my list. <sighs> Anyways, okay. So, Michael, thank you so much. And uh, as I as I said. Wonderful. As I said at the top of the show, you are you're about to be back with me anyway, so don't go anywhere. But uh, in the meantime, thank you all at home for listening. Uh, you can find links to this and all of our past episodes at the website conswithdead.com, or you can subscribe to the show on iTunes. While you're there, please rate us or write us a review and help us stand out from the, the crowd of Buffy and Angel podcasts. Uh, if you have questions for me or any of my guests, or if you'd just like to share your thoughts on anything that we've talked about, please join the conversation. You can drop us an Email at conswithdead at gmail.com Follow us on Twitter at conswithdead Or reach out to us on the Facebook group Conversations with Conversations with Dead People And uh, so next time around, Michael, uh, don't go anywhere We're going to be talking about episodes 508, Shadow, and 509, Listening to Fear Until then, gur arg, everybody, gur arg Nothing ever needs
0: to be said Send
1: your message right into my head Fill me up when I'm alone So soon